Hi, and welcome to episode 23 of the Belong Conversation podcast. There is a huge amount going on in the world right now, and we took a little break from recording these episodes to take our conversations offline. So for the last couple of weeks, we've been listening, reading and having conversations with a lot of you. As a community, it's so clear from the conversations we're witnessing amongst you that you have also been reflecting, learning and acknowledging. It's been really phenomenal to see. We've learned a lot from you and we've been on the same journey of self-examination. We are so privileged to have a platform and the visibility that goes with that. And we know we have to do better with it. We are making that commitment now to do better when it comes to diversity amongst our event speakers, our podcast guests and our blog contributors. And we're asking ourselves why we haven't made that commitment sooner. Our events are sometimes wholly white and often overwhelmingly white. And we know this isn't good enough. And so we couldn't launch into our next episode without discussing what's been happening. So before we start talking about yoga, we talk about racism and about Black Lives Matter and about the protests and about the pulling down of statues. My guest on this episode is Carolyn Jakimi Roberts, also known as CJ. I've known CJ for years and we became really good friends a few years ago when she also became my yoga teacher and a marketing client of mine. Over the years, we've had many a discussion about yoga, about community and about diversity. And with everything that's happening at the moment, it felt like the perfect time to talk about all of those things. And for CJ to read an incredible poem that she wrote called It's Time to Blend Out. I always love talking to CJ. I really miss her yoga classes and I hope that you enjoy our conversation. Hi CJ, thank you so much for joining the Belong Conversation today. It's really great to, to see you and catch up with you because we haven't spoken in, in ages. Um, it would be great if you could start by introducing yourself and letting our listeners know a little bit more about who you are. Hi Alison, thanks for inviting me on this Belong Com podcast today. My name is Carolyn Jakimi Roberts and I am yoga teacher and studio owner of Hot Yoga South in Brighton and in Bellum. And we, we've known each other for, for many years and, and I've been working, working with you and you know, part of what we're going to talk about today is, is yoga, is your journey to yoga. But before we dive into that, obviously we, we are recording this in June 2020. The Black Lives Matter protests are happening globally and it really feels like we are on the brink of a momentous shift in terms of racial equality. So. I'd, I'd just like to start by asking you about your, your experience this weekend um, of the, the protest in Brighton. I know you attended um, both, uh, did you attend the silent protest and the march or, or the march? No, I didn't. I just attended the march, actually. And how, what was that like? Well, first and foremost, I, I, I'm, I'm married to an Englishman, a Yorkshireman, actually. And um, so we have mixed children, two girls and a boy. And... Um, it was my daughters that actually said the march was going on, shall we go? I've never been on a march before, ever. I'm not really that way inclined. I'm not really an activist. And um, so I said, this is so important. So many things have happened in my lifetime. You know, there was apartheid in my last lifetime. Mm-hmm. You know, Martin Luther King was fighting for freedom for, for African-Americans and uh, Africans everywhere, actually. 
And um, so it's been a momentous journey for me, especially being first generation born black in the UK. So mm. I was totally up for it. What I wasn't prepared for, however, was the sheer volume of people, eh? circa 10,000, yeah. plus the emotion of it all, the support of it all, as well as, you know, those uncomfortable people that don't believe it's actually happening and wanted to do an anti-march. Mm-hmm. So I found it very cathartic, and um, it was great to hear some of the speakers afterwards. And it was just phenomenal. I took lots of pictures just showing the sheer volume of people that attended. Mm. And it also, it was a way to kind of hear out loud the things that I've been experiencing in my entire lifetime as a black woman. What are some of those experiences that you've had? So I tell you what, Alice, what would be great is I wrote this poem about uh, yes. 10 days ago when I heard about George Floyd, what was going on, and the, the question of race. Is there racism? Is there sy- systemic racism? Does this really happen? And most people said, no, no, that's not us. So I wrote this poem, and this expresses everything that I've had to deal with as I've grown up and as a grown up. I really wanted to talk to you about this as well, because it it got such an incredible response online and you to the point where you recorded it in a in a video as well. So, yeah, it would be incredible for you to to read that for us. Yeah, great. Thank you, Alice. Yes, I did originally just write it down so that my customers and my friends knew how this whole situation was affecting me, especially my having my son who was in Atlanta at the time, one of the seats of a lot of, um, a lot of stuff going on and, and protests. And I wanted to, I just wanted to write down my feelings. So here we, here we go. This is Blend Out by me, Carolyn Jakimi Roberts. We straighten our hair. We lighten our skin. Anything to blend in. Our hips are more round. Our lips are more thick. Should they be more pink? Anything to blend in. We stand in a queue. We wait for you, yet we are invisible, so we shrink. Anything to blend in. No more now, we say. You cannot take away our power, our might. It's time to shout loud. It's time to blend out. It's going to hurt, but it's time to be alert, to let our light shine, to stand up and be fine, to be bold and not hold it in. It's time to blend out. Our lives will now change, or this will happen again. Be a giant. Be proud. Shout out loud. I am free. I can breathe, and you will not take me out. Amazing. Make me cry every time I read that. You can just hear, like, the emotion in your in your voice as well it's so incredibly powerful you know obviously you got a lot of attention online when you shared that what what sort of response did you get from you know your your clients of your yoga studio and your friends and family this is the most interesting thing I got very little I can count it in 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 one or two responses from my clients my friends and my family were just overjoyed at how I've been able to express things that they've been feeling for years and never been able to say or show. And sometimes you think, nah, I just made it up. And you get so used to just ducking your head and going, oh, incoming, I'll be fine. Just My dad would always say, sticks and stones can break your bones, but names never hurt you. So you learn to have a, 
really tough exterior and not allow these names and things that people said or did or the way they looked at you. You learn to just go, oh, whatever. Mm-hmm. So um, there's a lot of people out there that haven't realized what's going on for them. They just know they've had to not say things sometimes. Things have happened and they've been exasperated and they've said it and nobody's listened. And even now you can hear people say, there's no racism. What are they talking about? We've, we're very accepting. But the most damaging thing, Alice, is this unconscious bias. Yeah. And today I was reading a, something from the Prime Minister about how we shouldn't take our plaques and our statues down. They are part of our history. And in that sentence, him just saying that, that's exactly it. They're part of his history as a white man. They're part of the history of the slave trade, of how this country benefited from the slave trade and how you know that imperialism has caused us as as a as a as a a nation of africans particularly Mm. not to be outstanding as we can be and to be treated you know underfoot so to speak Mm -hmm. so that kind of says it all about the systemic racism that's there because he can't see as a privileged white man how damaging it is for the rest of us no, and, and as, as so many people have pointed out, we're not taught that history in schools. There's no, no, you know, these statues are displayed without any context, without without education yeah. as to who, you know, who these these people were and what they did and, and what, you know, what the impact of that was. And I've seen so many petitions going around in the last week for children to be taught about our colonial history. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that's a huge part of people going around saying the UK is not racist. Yeah, and, and, and we've literally been stamped out of history because when I, was, when I was at school, we were taught about the slave trade. And I remember being really sickened by it. You see the pictures of how they rammed so many people into a boat. And it was just like, it is, you know, if you compare it to what happened to the Jews and how much people are are really talking about how wrong were the Nazis and how this wasn't right, but they don't do the same about slavery. Mm. And what you need to understand is that during slavery, they demeaned the the African by saying, you know, we weren't even a real person. We weren't really human. And the Americans call them one third human. And uh, it was okay because we don't have hearts. We don't have feelings. So you can take away our children from us. You can beat us. You can treat us inhumanely because we're not really human and there's there's been many studies showing um the french particularly us being closer to apes in the way our our heads and bodies are shaped than a human being so it was okay to treat us in that way Mm. and that's the side of it that's that's swept under the table and that's the side of it that we need to realize that we don't need to but the world just has to really take ownership of what was created and in a lot of people's minds this is still the case we're not worthy and i think you're so right about this unconscious bias that is ingrained and that is handed down and so much of what i'm seeing on social media is white people getting so defensive yeah. when they're when they're challenged instead of of just listening and yeah. you know the amount of infighting and squabble I'm seeing of people getting defensive and saying I'm not racist, I'm not racist, has has just been astounding. When there is so much evidence that this unconscious bias does exist. Yeah, and, and, and social media is the perfect platform to understand that. If you pick up um, any, if you go into any 
person's social media page that's, that, that's a company or representing a group of people, it's very unlikely you will see a black, a mixed, an Asian, a Chinese. You'll just see a white face generally or white bodies and white families. And it's only just becoming apparent to um, a lot of industry, a lot of it that um, the black pound is worth something. But if you don't see your likeness, you're not going to buy the products. No. And, you know, I know that we're going to come on to talking about that, particularly in terms of the yoga industry and how, how the yoga industry is marketed. But first, I'd like to start by, you know, asking you about your, your journey as, as an entrepreneur, as a business owner. So you, you now own two, two fantastically successful yoga studios in Brighton and in London. And I'd really love to hear from you what your kind of journey to becoming a yoga professional was um, and whether that's something that you've always practiced. Did you always want it to be your career? You know, over the course of your life, what's been your relationship to yoga and, and what's been its impact on your life? That's a really interesting question because I didn't really rate yoga in my youth and, and it wasn't so readily available either. And um, I've always been um, keen sportswoman. I was a sprinter. I was a county sprinter from a very young age, um, even in junior school. And um, I was a, a 100, 200 meter sprinter. And in those days, there were not many girls that really did high level athletics. So I was able to do high jump and long jump. And I would have been the per perfect heptathlete if it was available um, at that time. And um, what happened for me is that you... As I grew up in school, I found that I was really valued for my running, but not a lot else. Mm -hmm. And so I, when it came to doing O-levels and GCSEs, we didn't do GCSEs, we did CSEs. I was told I was stupid and um, wasn't allowed to do the exams I, I wanted to. My dad had to fight for me. I was actually, in fact, dyslexic, which I didn't know till I discovered my son was dyslexic uh, 15 years ago. So um, I knew I had difficulty in some areas and it's just about being, having more of a creative brain than being able to remember stuff and write down things. So I loved anything that was exciting, vibrant, aerobics we used to have set. I didn't really discover yoga till my kids were born and I was looking for an outlet to de-stress. I, I became a, an at-home mom having had three kids under four and when my youngest was about six months, he was a crazy baby. He was, he was on everything and walked at nine months. And I just needed to wind down. And lucky for me, um, a yoga, the, the Bikram version yoga came to the dance school where my children went dancing. They, were, they literally lived at the dance school. So it was really easy for me to attend classes, which I came, became addicted to very quickly. So there's me in my 40s, discovered Bikram yoga and decided to go on teacher training. And it was just what I needed in terms of allowing my mental well-being and stress levels to really become more manageable. And then most people think you're at home with your kids, so it's okay because you're not working. But actually, it's much easier to go to work having done both than to be at home and have your kids 24 hours a day and, and do whatever you need to do to keep them alert and happy. So I discovered yoga. I went on teacher training in 2003. Um, in those days, it was teacher training in LA with Bikram Chowdhury himself. And um, I've never experienced anything so all encompassing in terms of your, your physicality, your mental training and, and, and just your stress levels. It was a different kind of stress, but it was a much more manageable stress. And you were, it was like a, 
it was like a boot camp. It was a 900 hours, nine weeks of training from morning till night, including two yoga classes a day, every day, except for Sundays. Oh my goodness. So I really learned how to manage myself in terms of my body's needs, food, drink and water, and just having enough time and space to, to do whatever it was I need to do so that I could be successful. My son was only three at the time, so I'd left my three young children at home, and I'd never left, I've never been on my own since they were born. In fact, since I got married, I've never really gone anywhere on my own. And so it was a real, a real opportunity to just be with myself. And for me, that was, that was like therapy, I guess. It was, mm. it was a real opportunity to find out who I really was and what I wanted. And um, since then, yoga has just been an integral part of my life. Wow. And what, what was your sort of relationship like to your body before you did yoga? Because I, I know for me, like, I've had a lot of issues in the past with body image and my relationship to my own body. And, and, and certainly for me, learning to practice yoga kind of, it, it was, it was literally like, I didn't realize how disconnected my mind and my body had been from each other until I started to practice. And, and for me, it was so gradual. I didn't do anything massively intensive. So as part of that intensive training, was there, was there a shift for you during that time? Well, there was a huge shift because you're with like-minded people all on the same journey at the same time. And there's no distractions apart from the odd call from home. And I, I actually found that injuries I'd had, even down to 18, I used to get a really dodgy elbow. I played, played uh, goal attacks. So I was always shooting. And I'd get a really dodgy elbow sometimes, which I didn't realize was, a repetitive strain injury and tennis elbow. And it came out one day in the middle of a yoga class and I just started crying. What, where did that come from? And in that instant, the vision of me playing netball and thinking, oh God, I've got to concentrate because that elbow is really hurting me and I can't miss this goal, came straight back. And so there were lots of images that came into my mind. You know, I'd had a, I'd had a miscarriage between my first and second child and I hadn't had time to really process that. So. Mm. That came back, and I, and I cried a river. In fact, I must have cried a couple of seas, because I, when I started crying, it was, all, it was a whole t- an opportunity for my body to get in tune with my mind and know that these things have happened, and I have to deal with them before I can move on and help anybody else deal with their stuff. And I remember one particular day crying for about a half an hour. I was crying, and I was talking to one of these teachers. I don't know what the devil I was saying. I don't even know if she knew what I was saying. But I was just talking and crying and I just sobbed continuously for half an hour. And that was the turning point. It was like my mind had said, okay, so your body now knows what you've been through and the two things are now connected. Now we can move on. And from that point, I, I really realized how important it is to love yourself. I realized I didn't really love myself. I'd had three kids. I'd been this really fit, energetic, really tiny little woman and who turned into not quite so tiny with wobbly bits because that's what happens when you have big babies. And, um, and I thought, well, it doesn't really matter. These are my mummy scars. I called those my mummy scars after that. And, um, you know, I've done what I've wanted to do. And now I'm a yoga teacher and I can actually help other people to be in touch with themselves and, and forgive themselves and love themselves. Because that's, that's the hurdle when you're teaching yoga. Have people really understand they need to love themselves? Because you can't love anybody. You can't be with anybody. Not totally, not completely till you learn to love yourself and to trust yourself. 
And that, you know, uh, so it's 17 years, you said, since you, you did your trip. Your, um, it's 18 years, actually. 18 years. Just, just my anniversary, yeah. <laughs> so, so oh, you know, over the course of that 18 years, what, what do you think the biggest thing that yoga has given to you personally in terms of in terms of a shift and what kind of benefits do you see from your community of people that that come to your studio regularly over time what what sort of shifts and and changes do they experience so for me personally the shift has been from worrying a lot thinking about um constantly thinking about the things that I don't do very well to being more relaxed and thinking about the things that I do really well and finding ways to enhance that. And rather than beating myself up all the time about not being good enough, not doing enough, not being enough. And also the shift that within myself, having got through what I needed to get through to really accept myself, I really get the importance of self-trust and trusting others. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm, much more, I'm much more in tune with myself and I trust my judgment a lot more. And I'm able to say, okay, that doesn't feel right. So let's not do that at all. Let's come back to that rather than angst about things that aren't right, but that I could perhaps make right. Mm -hmm. So that's been the biggest adjustment for me. And it allows me to allow everybody else to be themselves. Because if I can be myself, I'm not stressed out about um, having other people not be what I see as the right thing. Mm -hmm. And just living in the moment, you know, I enjoy myself a lot more as... uh, in the course of a day rather than think I'll do that tomorrow I'll do that tomorrow I'm very much about now let's do it now and and my customers the people that come become really good friends because they really rely on me to straighten them out straighten out their kinks and have the things that worry them completely gone in a 90 minute or 60 minute session mm-hmm. and this is where the meditation comes in you you, you you're really basically teaching anybody who does yoga to focus Focus on themselves, look at their drifty, their gaze, and just have a soft, fuzzy focus on their own personal self and learn to love what they see rather than having comments, oh God, my boobs are too big, that wobbly bit, whatever it is that has them distressed about themselves, and just focus on themselves. And once they start to focus, they can start to be inward a little bit more, and then, then they clear their minds, they clear their hearts, and they come out relaxed. And I know for me, I solve many a problems inside a yoga studio without even inadvertently, inadvertently thinking about them. They're on my mind and when my mind is clear, the answer becomes apparent. And I often say I should take a notebook into yoga because I, I can solve two or three things. I come out and think, what was that? But it doesn't matter that I don't remember. What matters is that I'm now less stressed, worrying less about it, and I know that there's a solution. Mm-hmm. And, and also one of the benefits is the physical aspect of it. You feel really good when your body's stretched. You you, you, you produce more endorphins, all your happy hormones. And so your, over, your overall well-being is a lot more calmer, a lot more centered. And so if you can be more calm with yourself, more centered, and you can love yourself, you can then appreciate the people in your life out there and the things that they do and that you do for them. So what has it been like for you over the course of the last two 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 months what is it two months I'm completely losing back track of time now March April made three months nearly um three months yeah in in lockdown obviously having built this incredibly strong community 
and then having to move all of that online what what's that been like for you and what's what's been the impact on your community of that to begin with I was I always like to say one step ahead of the curve so as I saw the way that the COVID-19 was um, affecting Europe and and Europe was shutting down I knew it would only be a matter of time that um, the UK would shut down so I started um, looking at ways to take classes online and um, I tried various things which didn't work well at all and by the time by the time we were we were actually officially told to shut up shop I literally dropped everything ran to London trained all my teachers in what I thought would be a better way to run classes and we went straight online on the Saturday after lockdown and it was a huge success the uh, over the course of of time a lot of people have lost jobs been furloughed are worrying about finances so we've lost a lot of customers especially in Brighton and um, mm-hmm. some people haven't even tried online they've automatically assumed it would be no good without the heat mm. and um, the most fascinating thing about that whole thing it because obviously any other yoga works fine but not Bikram yoga is yeah. that without the heat and, 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 and mirrors you have to take a totally different view of what you're doing with your body. Mm. So for me, it's been a huge process of realigning my body in a different way, not being able to push myself so hard and opening my body, which I never would have thought would happen because that's what the heat does. It helps you to open your body and stretch into your fascia, into the deep parts of your tissue. And so for me, it's been very, very successful in terms of how I get my stretch, and even more successful in terms of my well-being. I'll do an hour class in the morning at seven o'clock and I'll throw down everything and work till five o'clock, only getting up to eat. So it's made me a lot more effective. A lot of my customers have um, let me know, especially early on, how without the online classes, they would never have got through this mentally and physically. And um, I've got customers that have been with me since I started that are still with me now and some customers just refusing to try something different and they will come back when it's all over. So I guess there's been two different types of um, take up of the yoga. Those that couldn't imagine their life without it and those that think they can do without it. So it'll be interesting to see when we come back how the mental status has been and how their body's feeling after not having had not just the heat, but had a, a consistent practice. And that, that's really interesting what you say, because like, I mean, pre, you know, I'm, I'm a very extroverted person and my social life and my fitness classes and my, you know, my community is so important to me that the first thing I did in lockdown was establish how I could maintain that social contact during this period so I find that really interesting that some people have just been like no I'm not I'm not engaging in the in the virtual stuff I can't I can't imagine what it would be like if I hadn't had access to that throughout these past three yeah months. And, and, then- and 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 from my from my perspective and having spoken to people and had emails I, I don't think some people are, are even thought it was worth it that they wouldn't see people they wouldn't they wouldn't get contact. It wasn't worth A lot of people don't think it's worth paying the money for a virtual class because what they're used to is basically an on-demand, an on-demand class where it's just a video. Mm-hmm. And so they're just repeating or YouTube. They think, you know, it's cheap. I'll just do YouTube. But you're just getting a repetitive piece of information without any assistance or guidance. And you definitely are not getting that 
I don't know how to describe it, but that deep, intense feeling I get after having done a yoga class when I've had someone guide me as opposed to doing one of my own. Mm. There's such a deep connection and and such a feeling of satisfaction that you've taken the time out to be with someone else Mm. as opposed to practicing on your own and doing it at your own pace. And I'll often stop in the middle of class and go, oh, somebody sent me a text or what's that? I never noticed that on the floor before. Yeah. Whereas when I'm practicing in the same space that somebody's guiding me, I'm completely focused. So the next thing I wanted to talk about is something I hear a lot when I tell people that I practice yoga is that, oh, I, they, people say, oh, I can't do yoga. I'm just not flexible. Oh, um, I can't go to a yoga class because I won't be able to keep up. And, you know, of course, you and I know that there is, I mean, we've, we've already discussed it. There is so much more to yoga and to being part of a community a yoga community than than how fit and flexible you are so what what would you say what what do you say to people when they say those sorts of things to you when they might feel like yoga is is kind of closed off from them because they aren't fit enough or flexible enough or they feel intimidated by the poses and this is this is a really interesting question Alice and thank you for asking me that one because this segues into what we started this conversation with about Black Lives Matters and how people see themselves and, and what they see themselves doing. And what yoga has become over the last, well, probably from the beginning, really, because it's, it's, a, it's, an, Indian, it's an Indian concept that was brought to the West as a way to, so the Indians used to use it as a way to heal. So, I don't know, for instance, you have, a, you have kidney stones. You need to do this sequence of postures in this particular way to help you, you know, eliminate the kidney stones, or you've got high blood pressure, do these particular postures, or you're trying to get pregnant, do these particular postures. So it was medicine, and yoga's always been medicine. And while you're healing the body, you're healing the mind, and different forms of yoga give you different things, but generally they give you that sense of focus, you're drifty, and and at the same time, they're healing and, and good for your body as a form of exercise. So as we've come into the Western world, it's become this thing you do if you're a tall, skinny white woman and you can bend your limbs in such a way you can get your legs behind your head and um, Mm -hmm. stand on one leg at the same time. And so a lot of people still see it like that currently. So it puts them off because they think, oh, gosh, I'm not I'm not tall and limber. I'm a bit short with, with short limbs or I'm a bit more round or my boobs are too big or my face is too black. That you, black women don't do that. Black men don't do that. I'll do something else. Mm-hmm. So part of this, this outlook of yoga is how, how, we, how do we change this concept that yoga is only for the fit and the flexible? And, and, and for me, I attract customers to my business by talking about how yoga can benefit you if you've got I mean I've just had a knee replacement I'm just over I'm almost 18 months into a knee replacement do you have a troublesome knee and I was able to ward off my knee replacement for two years when the doctor said I wouldn't even last six weeks by practicing my yoga in the heat wow and it's good for your mental toughness and clarity and it's good if you've got uh you know funny shoulders and it's good if you've got a, a dodgy ankle or if you're really tight in the legs and your lower back is hurting, you get a lot of backache because it allows your body to open and the muscles that constrict and tighten that cause your joints to become tighter and less mobile and reduced range of motion, those are the muscles it starts to stretch to improve your range of motion and have your limbs and your body work a lot more efficiently. 
And when our body's not working properly, especially anything around our spine and our nervous system, then it, it affects your body, your, your organs, your, your skin. It affects everything because all the nerves that run around our body are supposed to attach into our spine and, and, and work in an efficient way. And if our body's not working efficiently, then our health is not efficient and not good. So this is the aspect, side that a part of the yoga that I always um, emphasize when I'm promoting Bikram yoga that I teach to my customers. And that's what, those are the sort of customers I come in. I tend to get older customers. I tend to get people with injuries, sciatica, lower back pain, people that have stress. Um, ladies that have got loads of kids and just want to get away from the kids for two or three times a week. <laughs> so those are the customers that I, I tend to attract. And so my customers come in all shapes and sizes and all ages. And I think that's so important what you say around, you know, uh, it's not about whether you can like flex yourself into a pose. And I know like a lot of you and a lot of your teachers say this, it's about the intention. As long as you're moving towards the pose, you will feel the same benefit and then the yeah and, and then it's incredibly rewarding to see how that flexibility changes over time you know it's it's not about just turning up and and being massively intimidated by what everyone can do and you know like like you say you know i mean you search like yoga on instagram and yoga studios, yoga teachers, it is mainly photos of, like you say, these skinny white women doing these insane poses on beaches and by pools and in their designer yoga wear on their yoga mats. Yeah. And that is what so many people think it is like to go to yeah. a yoga class. And, and, you know, like you say, that, that couldn't be further from what your community looks like. So, yeah. you know, how, how do you think that you have attracted such a diverse community has that been conscious and how do you think other studios can can follow suit yeah it, it, it's been totally conscious and um way way back when we did kids yoga and that's another thing that we're going to be looking at moving forward because a lot of people i'm speaking to who have young kids keep saying the same thing and that's that their mental well health and well-being has been under siege these three months because they've not been able to express themselves, go out, go crazy. And it must be really hard if you live in a flat and you have to walk to the beach to give your, your kid a chance or a park mm -hmm. to actually just, you know, burn off some energy. And so we did kids yoga. We did yoga at, at times in the day when mums can calm and people that work shifts and, and I'm always around. So people come in or they call up and they say, Oh, uh, hey, I just wanted to know about yoga. Also, when we put on our website, we have photos of people of an all range of colour and sizes so that people look and they go, oh, there's a man there with a bit of a pot belly. Okay, mm -hmm. so I could go then. We do have a large um, amount of men coming because we do show a lot of visual pictures of men. Come, so men think it's okay and they come and it's hard. So they like that. They think, okay, it's hard. So I, um, I can do this then. Mm -hmm. So... Uh, yeah, we, we, we really make an effort to be as inclusive as possible and have everybody who might not think about coming, come. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the areas I've worked on really hard to ensure that um, we've got people know, that people know they can come and they don't feel really weird. And, and I mean, I'm not a standard size. I'm a black woman with big boobs and a big bum and, and I'm, I'm on the website as much as I can. Mm -hmm. And I'm a normal sized woman. I'm not particularly skinny. Mm -hmm. So we I, I do show people that 
everybody and every size can come to yoga and it seems to work yeah yeah and i'm really looking forward to getting back to your classes in brighton <laughs> oh my goodness and, and and now moving forward this is really important how we view what we're giving out to our customers and currently in brighton i'm, I'm having discussions with a number of studio owners about how do, do we be more diverse it's not just about putting out pictures yeah. of of women of of all colors and shapes and sizes it's about actually how we promote ourselves mm. how many black teachers do you have and i know there's probably maybe one or two in brighton it's not a lot and why is that because if a lot of black women are not doing yoga even asian women then they're not going to go on teacher training and when you're accepting people to teacher training what what is it that you're not doing to attract them mm -hmm. Yeah. And so it's, it's not going to be a quick fix. It's got to be a constant thing so that people are aware that they can go and do yoga and they can become yoga teachers. It's not some closed shop. And, and that comes back to the un unconscious bias that we were talking about at the start. You know, yeah. you, you've got to really look at this stuff and think, OK, why? Yeah. Why, why is yeah. my client base not diverse? Why is my community not diverse? What, what am I actively doing to increase diversity? Yeah. And, yeah. you know, it's not about saying like, you're wrong for not doing this. It's about, you know, this, this conversation is now bringing this into all of, you know, our, and I say our as white people into our yeah. consciousness. So yeah. now it's, it, now you can't walk around saying it's unconscious. So how are you going to address diversity and inclusion in a conscious way? And that's, that, that, that's an interesting question because when I was talking to my daughter about this, she said to me that she'd messaged, put on a couple of messages and a couple of her friends had said some unsavory things and what should she do? And I said to her, well, as you grow up anyway, you start to realize that some people are probably better suited to your everyday life than others. And so you'll pick up new friends and you'll drop old friends. Mm -hmm. And I said, right now, your friends that are saying unpleasant things are really confronted by what you're saying instead of saying, oh my goodness, Ajay, why would you think that? I said, those are the friends that you need to drop because you don't need to be telling them how and, and what they should be doing because they're big enough people to do themselves. Go away and do some homework, do some reading, find out how you can be that person that can make a change. And most of the time, I, I, our younger generation, they are, they are, they are a lot less, um, they're a lot more tolerant, I should say, because in their generation, it's much easier if you're if you're gay if you're bisexual so they and, and they've got more fluidity in their sexuality so they're like that in most of the things that they attack they're not quite so judgmental mm -hmm. so it'd be really interesting to see how if you pick up more people of a younger generation and get them to do yoga because that would be so beautiful mm -hmm. their opinions will really count and you and don't expect just because you don't know any black people or you've never seen any or you've never interacted with any because that still happens Alice yeah. that you you don't have to be thinking or worrying about it that feels like a really powerful note to end on so was there was there anything else before we wrap up any any message that you're burning to get across anything you anything extra you want to say i am actually because i can really see how yoga especially now we know we can do successful classes online that any really good yoga studio will be able to offer you both so you said earlier on that you really love your connections with your community and some people won't know where to start so if you're really introvert or worried 
or you don't want to be seen in a room with other people, the online yoga is a really great place to start. And I know for my business, it's going to be a constant now, forever and a day while I'm running my businesses. So I am really hoping that people that would not normally try yoga, men that think it's for women, mm-hmm. um, older, older ladies and gents, as well as younger people that might be thinking, oh, I'm not quite right for yoga, will really give the online classes a try. And, in, in, and also children, so that one of the things I've seen a lot during this period of time are my customers having their children doing yoga with them. And so I think it's really important that we really get to grips with our children right now and give them all the support they can because they've done really well. And the pressure is going to be on them when they're back at school, when they're out and about, to remember to social distance, to wash their hands. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be stressful. And, and, and kids have got enough stress as it is with social media and school. So mm-hmm. anything that we can do to make life a lot easier, a lot calmer, more relaxing, so they've got actually time to just be themselves. Mm-hmm. And if yoga does it for them, great. But get them to exercise more, get them to, to learn to be with themselves more and not worry about it. And so mm-hmm. they're not constantly you know, doing things that their friends approve of or seek, seeking approval or being in a gang so that they don't have to be themselves. Mm-hmm. Amazing. That's it, really. Well, thank you so much for for coming on the call and speaking to me today. How can people find you online if they want to connect with you after listening to this conversation? So my yoga studio in Brighton is um, Hot Yoga South Brighton or Bikram Yoga Brighton and or Hot Yoga South Bellum. And you can that's our website, www.hotyogasouth.com. They're both connected. We've got prices currently for all our online classes. We're looking to get back into the studio. I'm playing hard by mid-July, and then we'll have classes back on there. Uh, or you can call for Brighton, 01273 or for Ballum, 0203-457-8837. And you'll only get me on the phone because I'm the only one available, and you can have a chat. And let's see how we can get you into yoga to change your mind, change your life, and change your whole way of being. Because this is how we're going to heal the world, one yoga class at a time. Amazing. We'll put links to, uh, we'll put your phone numbers and uh, links to your website in the show notes as well so people can find them. So thank you so much for speaking to me today, CJ. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to getting back to yoga. (laughs) I'm looking forward to getting back to yoga too. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Thank you so much for listening. You will find links to connect with CJ and Hot Yoga South online, as well as the studio details for Brighton and Ballum in the show notes. Just a few announcements before we sign off. Unfortunately, the next Belongcon event, which we had planned for the 7th of July, is not able to go ahead because the venue is not able to yet open safely. We're going to get our heads together as a team and we're going to work out how to continue bringing important conversations to you until we're able to safely gather as a community again. So to keep updated about our upcoming events, both on and offline, opportunities to share your own story, our podcast, our blog and more, you can follow us at BelongCon on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. And if you stumbled upon this episode and want to find out more about us, then you can head on over to our website at belongcon.com. If you enjoyed this episode, please do check out our previous 22 and please do subscribe, rate and review wherever you're listening on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher or anywhere else as this helps other people find these conversations. 
This episode was hosted by me, Alice Reeves, and produced by Elijah Pitt. Thank you.